Knox here, broadcasting from Cowtown, no foghorns, no fog, dry heat. I had this idea the other day that I would read sometimes a great notion for the first time in, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, something like that. I've read it four or five times over the years. It was my favorite book for, I'd say, up through my, till I was 30 or so. Then I kind of quit, quit thinking about what's the best book and all that, but I'll tell you, it's incredible if you've never read it, you must. Sometimes a Great Notion by Ken Kesey. It's ten times the book that One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was. And it's quite demanding. When I read it the first time when I was 15, and I had to read the first 60 pages about five times because it was so dense and what Kesey did and it was so different from anything I'd read before. So, But... Um, so yeah, I thought I'd just, I'd, I'd, when I do audio booths, I would just read uh, wherever I happen to be in the book at that time. I'm right at the beginning. I was going to start this last Tuesday, and before I had a chance to sit down and do a recording, I heard some meowing outside the uh, house, and I went and discovered four orphaned kittens under my house. Well, three. I discovered three. I found the fourth the next morning. So I've been taking care of some kittens uh, since then. And uh, I've, I think I've found homes for all of them, but I need to uh, keep uh, feeding them for probably another week or two, make sure they can, you know, they're eating solid food out of a bowl. So we're using a bottle now, but they're growing every day. They're wonderful, they're happy, so. All right, so sometimes a great notion, Ken Kesey. Page one. Along the western slopes of the Oregon coastal range, come look, a hysterical crashing of tributaries as they merge into the Wakanda-Aga River, the first little washes flashing like thick, rushing winds through sheep, sorrel, and clover, ghost fern and nettle, shearing, cutting, forming branches. Then, through bearberry and salmonberry, blueberry and blackberry, the branches crashing into creeks, into streams. Finally, in the foothills, through tamarack and sugar pine, shit and bark and silver spruce, and the green and blue mosaic of Douglas fir, the actual river falls 500 feet and look, opens out upon the fields. Metallic at first, seen from the highway down through the trees, like an aluminum rainbow like a slice of alloy moon. Closer, becoming organic, a vast smile of water with broken and rotting pilings, jagged along both gums, foam clinging to the lips. Closer still, it flattens into a river, flat as a street, cement gray with texture of rain. Flat as a rain-textured sheet, even during flood season, because of a channel so deep and a bed so smooth no shallows set up, but buckwater rapids, no rocks to ride the surface, rile the surface. 
nothing to indicate movement except the swirling clots of yellow foam skimming seaward with the wind, and the thrusting groves of flooded bam, bent taut and trembling by the pull of silent, dark momentum. A river smooth and seeming calm, hiding the cruel file edge of its current beneath a smooth and calm-seeming surface. The highway follows its northern bank. The ridges follow its southern. No bridges span its first ten miles, and yet across on that southern shore, an ancient two-story wood frame house rests on a structure of tangled steel, of wood and earth and sacks of sand, like a two-story bird with split-shaped feathers, sitting fierce in its tangled nest. Look. Rain drifts about the windows. Rain filters through a haze of yellow smoke issuing from a mossy stoned chimney into slanting sky. The sky runs gray. The smoke wet yellow. Behind the house, up in the shaggy hem of mountainside, these colors mix in windy distance, making the hillside itself run a muddy green. On the naked bank between the yard and humming river's edge, a pack of hounds pads back and forth, whimpering with cold and brute frustration, whimpering and barking at an object that tangles out of their reach, dangles out of their reach, over the water, twisting and untwisting, swaying stiffly at the end of a line tied to the tip of a large fir pole, jutting out of a top-story window, twisting and stopping and slowly untwisting in the gusting rain, eight or ten feet above the flood's current. A human arm, tied at the wrist, just the arm, look, disappearing downward at the frayed shoulder where an invisible dancer performs twisting pirouettes for an enthralled audience. Just the arm, turning there, above the water, for the dogs on the bank, for the blinking rain, for the smoke, the house, the trees, and the crowd calling angrily from across the river. Stamper! Hey, God damn you, any house, Hank Stamper. And for anyone who might anyone else who might care to look. And there you have it. Kesey sets the stage for one of the great 20th century novels, one of the great American novels. Um, man, that guy could write. It makes me want to be there because I want some fog and rain and wet. <laughs> I'm I'm in I'm in Cowtown. Seriously. Do you hear that um, bird? I wonder what it is. I hear it every day. Singing. I don't know what kind of bird it is. It's been an adjustment here. Uh, I did not plan on coming here. A friend offered me a, a, an empty house, and I'm fixing, fixing it up. I had to move out of my old place in Oakland. Um, it was kind of a Sunset Boulevard type situation.
I'm afraid. I don't know what else to say about it. I want to. I want to rant about it, but it would mean saying bad things about a woman. <laughs> my my upbringing prevents me from doing that. Supposed to be a gentleman. Well, maybe some other time. But anyway, I'm down here. I've talked about it before. Exile in Countdown. I'm rereading Sometimes a Great Notion. I found myself uh, really tapping into works of art, most music and, and uh, artists, uh, to give me strength. Because this is, uh, I have a lot of work I want to get done while I'm here. Oops, sorry. So, I'm going to say goodbye for now. I'm going to read more Sometimes a Great Notion, and when I return in a day or two, I'll read another excerpt. Maybe we'll talk about it. Why it's so important. Such an important book. And if you haven't read it, do yourself a favor. This is Knox in Cowtown. Over and out.